Welcome to the Test Kitchen. You are listening to a podcast by Design Bites Research Team. We bring you bite-sized tips and tricks about food and beverage businesses, as well as interview the change makers in the industry. Join us to the Test Kitchen. Welcome to our third episode, where we will give the mic for Lauri Reuter, the founding partner of Nordic Food Tech Venture Capital, and Karme Blumenferrer, the founder and CEO of Propitat. Before their business careers, both of them were exploring food from a scientific perspective as researchers. They dig into the food tech industry in Finland with our researcher Erika Pertunen and ideate how research and business industry could join forces for the future of food. The food dictatorship of Finland is meant in this episode. Have a listen and let us know what would you do if you would be the dictator of food. Based on our research, we have discovered a few key reasons for bridging food, science and technology. Food tech-based solutions seem to be most prevalent within the novel food categories like plant-based proteins or insect food. However, As development in technology results in new types of production methods, like vertical farming or blockchain technology for traceability of food, also food categories like fish and coffee start to incorporate food tech solutions. Additionally, creating something new and changing the food culture, like leveraging food tech for improving customers' health, are among the top goals and missions of our design by entrepreneurs. Welcome, Karma and Lauri. So how does the current Finnish food tech industry look like from your perspective? And what kind of major changes has there been during your time in the field? I kind of uh, jumped out of research work only only a couple of uh, years ago to kind of swim into this world of food tech and, and food industry. So, but still, you know, a couple of years in, in food right now seems like ages. In that sense, you know, in the, in the supermarket, things are changing really fast. And I think we also see this kind of um, increase in how much we talk about the importance of food in relation to, well, both climate and health. It's it's really a good good thing that we're talking more about it because it is super important. The food technology has actually boomed. It, it used to be, foods used to be about recipes, basically, and a few technologies behind Uh, and now it, it seems that we are looking for the technologies to actually bring better foods. Uh, so in that perspective, I think it has changed a lot. And uh, and I think there's uh, coming uh, very interesting years ahead now that, that people understand better that, that actually you can be a researcher and eventually uh, commercialize your, your experience or your expertise. What would be the best practices to sort of facilitate the move from the university and research world into business? Uh, I I think uh, it should come from university. The universities already usually have a innovation department that uh, their job is to to actually screen the research departments and and, and check what what are uh, what are the possibilities of commercializing that that um, research. I, I think it needs to change the mentality from from this department, from the innovation department, that we need to really focus. That's one change. The other change is that the departments uh, need to accept that there is the possibility of commercialization. We have had and we still have this mentality, at least in Finland and in the Northern Europe, that science is something that should be very protected from the rest of the world, especially from the business. And that results in in young scientists, uh, young researchers, kind of 
seeing this pipeline that they will you know become phd students they will graduate as as phds and then they will become researchers and one day maybe professors and that's pretty much it whereas i think i think we should change that so that the idea is that you go to university you get really smart at something and then you jump out of the academic world and you start a company and you use all that knowledge into creating some you know real impact in the world and and i think for that the the university structure has to change and that's that's difficult so it it needs to come from from the basic structure that that we we push this uh, possibility from day one to every single student um so garmen how much support did you get from the university when you started your company I I was one of the luckiest. I did get a lot of support. I had a really motivated guy uh, running the or working in the innovation department at that time. The good thing is that because there are cases already that came up from the university, I'm not the only one. There are now researchers that are thinking, "Wow, I could do that." So it's kind of the other way around that that they see that it's possible and they get interested and find the ways of of make it happen. When I need help I ask I'm not afraid of that. Luckily we're seeing that change. I mean we're seeing more and more of that discussion here in Finland too and seeing that kind of the the societal role of universities becoming more and more important. And one part of that is communicating the research but obviously other parties applying the research. But it's it's much more about getting the researchers to start companies. Laura, in your previous work as a researcher you tried to sort of bridge the gap between research and industry do you have any good examples or success stories from your time doing that not enough i got some good role models from you know in, in us and california there I, I, you know i i got to know people who have really stepped out of research and and really built something and that those guys are kind of role models for me in that sense But if, if you think of Finland, I mean, what Reetta Kivelän, Maija Etnedi with uh, with Golden Green, and, and then again, what you know, Pasi uh, Vainikka and Jeppe Pitkänen are doing with Solar Foods. I think those are kind of two very good examples of researchers, gun entrepreneurs, and building something something really great. And there is there is more of that coming. I would like to see that we have kind of a next generation of of science entrepreneurs growing up now, and I hope that then that would also kind of facilitate then you know the next generation next generation once you have more and more role models it seems that currently food tech solutions are especially prevalent in certain areas within the food industry and missing in others what do you see are the areas most advanced in terms of food tech and where would you like to see more development i would i mean if you think of food industry as such there, there isn't there really isn't too much tech in it i mean um <laughs> Uh, food is technology fundamentally food has always been technology you know since the agriculture revolution 10000 years ago it's been all about technology but if if you look at the uh, the biggest industrial players in food right now in finland and if you if you look at their you know r&d budgets they're actually tiny around one percentage of their of their turnover so it's it's minimal so what what you see the the bigger players doing at the moment is you know reducing slightly the amount of packaging material or taking the plastic caps out of your milk cartons i mean that seems to be the highest level of innovation that you can do but i see that the biggest game changers are going to come from new companies new startups that are agile that can do quickly completely new things and and by the you know literal sense of the word disrupt the industry we partner up with new companies new tech companies creating uh, something new for the food system. Say uh, we, we just made an investment into Enifer Bio, a spin-out company from VTT. They are you know, a bunch of young 
brilliant scientists, no experience as, as entrepreneurs. And they, they, uh, they took some technology that they have been developing for, for years, and they're starting now to build a company around it. So what we do is that we fund them. We uh, put enough you know, gas in the tank, uh, power in the batteries and money in the pocket so that they can start building it. And we, we help them with everything that has anything to do with, with building a company and building a business and building something that makes really a difference. research shows that due to limited resources, food ventures often partner with suppliers or bigger food companies to leverage their existing production or distribution infrastructure. Also when trade secrets or intellectual property rights are not an issue, information and tips are often shared among peers even within the same industry. Mm. Your work requires quite a lot of collaboration as you describe with all the players in the industry. So what in general do you both see is the role of collaboration within the food tech industry? I see collaboration as a necessity in uh, also from, of course, from this, our side, from the startup side that, that we, at least is my, my, my feeling. We don't become, or, or our goals, at least my goal is not to become a huge corporate in the, in the future, but be a specialized a startup or company that partners with the food industry to complement. So I think the technology is more on, on the complementing and, and then the, the role of partnership is, is, is extremely important. I mean, if you, think of, if you think of how we are working with, say, you know, the big ones, the, the food industry players, uh, some of them like, like HK Scan is an investor in the fund. They are putting money in for us to invest in these startups. And I mean, what, what they get is, is obviously kind of knowledge and, and they get to see who's out there and what, they, what are they doing. And, and they get to, to collaborate with these startups at some point so that they can renew what they're doing now. And that's really important. But it also offers the startups a beautiful opportunity to you know, use all the resources that these big companies have already. But then we also need collaboration between all the startups in the field. We, we, are now, we have invested in a company in Denmark uh, that is working with, uh, with fungi and bioreactors, but we also invested in a company in Finland working with fungi and bioreactors. So, so these startups have a lot they can share. And, and when they get these kind of uh, peer support, that is super helpful. You need people to interact so that you find the right talent, you find the right people, you find the right ideas, and then you'll be able to put together brilliant companies that can make shit happen. Yeah, definitely. That was already a nice example of a collaboration between startups. Uh, what has been your most memorable collaboration? Okay, I think my most memorable is happening right now. So we have a partner, uh, we are working on a project together where we, I think the, the most important part and what, why it makes it so, so uh, interesting for us is that they understand what we do <laughs> because sometimes uh, it's not easy. <laughs> so uh, being able to actually speak the same language is very important when you, when you talk to a corporate corporation um, to find somebody who really understands and who really, oh, that they have the same goal. Like this is really important as well that that we we find the same goal and then I would say that even the respect because we are talking about the collaboration with a huge guy a, a huge partner and a very tiny one <laughs> so uh, respect and and for the big guy to to understand that okay we are small we are learning and and not to profit not to you know steal everything from us uh, and and in a way teach us a little bit of, of what are the steps very exciting times 
I think, you know, the most the warmest and nicest moments for me have been a couple of times uh, talking with a uh, startup and their, you know, scientist founders who have, who obviously have been through a couple of negotiations with, you know, venture capitalists, you know, really hardcore investors. And then they come to the meeting and, and at some point they kind of seeing how they are relieved and open up when they realize that on the other side of the table, there is a scientist. There's someone who, you know, who knows what research is about, who knows where they are coming from. And, and another guy who understands, you know, what food is about. And for us, that has been <laughs> somehow extremely, I would say, empowering because um, we feel that we speak the same language with many of these entrepreneurs who have maybe struggled with that huge gap between research and, and the, you know, business world. What is the, the role of experimenting together with other players within the food tech industry? I think it's fundamental. I mean, food is food is such a complex thing, and the food system is such a complex thing that it's it's rare that one player could do you know the whole thing, wh- whatever the thing is. You need to play with others. So, I mean, as early as you can, experimenting with everyone else around. You know, start sending samples or whatever you do, send samples out and, and experiment with others. You know how that would work, fit into the the other parts of the system. I have a really nice project where. A company wants to create a product or, or a bunch of products and uh, basically ask us to ferment, to ferment the raw material in all possible ways we can imagine. And that's what I was saying that before, that, that uh, I managed to speak the same language with that person. So he understood completely all the possibilities of fermentation, which is something that I'm, I've been missing. And we developed the, the, the product. So it, this is a clear picture of, of a, a very nice uh, partnership and collaboration because they are good in something, we are good in something. Let's, let's create something together to... to to the consumer. Thinking a bit about the future of the industries, what other things do you wish to see in the future of the food tech industry? But what I think we would need as a society, as you know, Finnish, as a country, as, as a people, is to uh, create a clear vision for our food system. Obviously, it is a planetary food system, uh, but we need to we need to make a clear vision how we want to build this food system here locally. And then we really need to start working for that. I mean, I we are a small nation. We are a small bunch of people. And if we decide to be ambitious and set those goals, we could do that. And if we set those goals so that we have a clear idea what needs to be done, that also enables the researchers and companies to start working towards that. That would give a clear you know, incentives to start building towards it. There is a goal, but there is still organizations that are not, not talking with each other. And I would like to see that more often in the future. So if you were now to build this common vision, what would you include as the goals? Ooh. If I would be a uh, food dictator of Finland, um, <laughs> I, would love, I would love Finland to be the first country in the world that manages to cut back half of consumption of animal-based products. I'm not saying we have to cut back exactly half of the production in Finland, but cut back half of the consumption. That would mean that that we produce, uh, let's say, dairy and meat when it's reasonable, in reasonable amounts. We eat some of that, we export some of that, but at least we wouldn't import the most unsustainable uh, meats and dairy. So I would, I would that be a goal? cut back half of the uh, consumption of animal-based products. That would be great. Um, 
and while at it, increase the consumption of, of diverse vegetables. I would say, uh, let's get rid of those minks. Danish people are, seem to have that going on pretty well right now. Uh, get rid of that and get, hum- get humans eating those herrings. That would be beautiful. I would say, let's measure what exactly are the carbon emissions from Finnish soils, from the fields that we're using, and then set a clear numerical goal for that. Say that Finnish fields are carbon sink from 2030 onwards. And once you have that goal set, then you can start you know, moving towards deciding that this plot will not be used for agriculture anymore. And this plot will be used, but with, with bit different practices. So once we set that clear goal, we can start actually doing things. I be a dictator, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> I would remove junk food from the market. So that, that's my goal. <laughs> I would, I, I think uh, that's what I meant when I thought that there is a still a lack of communication, uh, because I think we all are aware that uh, eating unhealthy food is causing malnutrition and obesity and healthy problems. Uh, and still the, the foods we are offering are increasing in unhealthy foods. So w- what is it? What, what are we missing there? There, there? We are not talking with the right people to make this change. And I think we need to work on possibilities and on how, how we can make uh, from, from the business, food businesses, to understand that they need to stop offering or changing those offers and from consumers to convince them uh, that they need to care about their health and, and, and not consume them those so, so much. So I, I think there is some, something missing, is my point. I would be voting for you, Karma. That's absolutely Thank fantastic. You. <laughs> to conclude, what would each of you give as a final key takeaway from this conversation for the listeners? We all have these global uh, challenges in our mind. Uh, For anyone who is listening and has wants to, you know, participate in a a little bit in in those challenges and is working in somehow food related stuff or technologies, uh, I would say to to explore what what is it that we are are all different. So what is it that you can do to to offer this uh, small piece of the puzzle to, to change that, to make that change? And if something I could say is that each of us should find what they can do best and and into making the final goal possible. I think I I have four takeaways, depending on who you are. I would say if if you are a researcher, if you are a scientist, go out there and find problems. Find a real problem to tackle. Don't fall in love with your research and your solution. Find a problem and then start working on that. If you are not a researcher yet, but you're, you're a student, um, get really good at something. Get really wise about something. And then think of the option of starting a company. Think of maybe applying all that for building something. Uh, companies can do nowadays incredible things. Simple startups can have massive impact. Um, if you are in business and you want to do something related to food, go and talk to scientists. Talk with scientists, even, to, even though sometimes it might sound like really complicated. Try to understand what they're actually doing and then, then try to find the right problems and the right people to solve those problems. Now, if you are anyone else, if you are a human being, if you are breathing and eating, a simple thing you can do for a better food system on the planet 
eat less animals, eat more veggies, and try new things. When you see something new in the supermarket, give it a try. Most of them are crap, but sometimes there's some really great new things. Thanks. Thank you so much. It was fun. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you, Lauri and Garve. In our next episode, we dive into the topic of how to create products and operate a food and beverage venture during a crisis. We wanted to collect our guests' experiences to give you some tips and tricks about the issue. We share in this episode research insights how to navigate your business through a difficult time. Till next time, join us. This podcast was brought to you by Design Bites Research Team at Design Factory Aalto University in Helsinki, Finland. We investigate food and beverage companies and their co-creation, collaboration and experimentation practices. Thanks for joining.